Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen the Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Yes, it's the Anarchist World this week. Yes, it's not pre-recorded. It's live. L-I-V-E. Whether that makes it better or worse, that's really up to you to decide. Whether you really want to know what's going on, well, sometimes you prefer not to, wouldn't you? If you wonder what anarchy is all about, anarchist society is a voluntary non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power. That's the people involved in decision. Make that decision, then elect or appoint delegates to coordinate those decisions at a local, regional and national level society where wealth is held in common. So if you want excitement, if you want to go fight in foreign wars, don't listen to the anarchist world this week. We're about radical social change here in the land of Oz. I mean, I can speak about all these foreign things that are happening everywhere else, but unfortunately it really highlights the lack of uh, effort that goes into changing what's happening into this country. Now, look, what we try to do in the Anarchist World this week, or the Anarchist Institute, what we try to do is create a culture of change. You like that word? Culture of change. And we organise a whole series of events across the year which we encourage people to come to, which actually uh, look at points and issues which are important, historical events which are important in the history of this country. And over the next three or four months, we have... A lot of these cultural events being um, organised and uh, we're very keen to see as many of our listeners there as possible. Now, if, you are, if you're not in the city of Melbourne and you're interstate or um, who knows where you are listening to this program and you could be anywhere in the world, you, know, you can do the same thing in your part of the world. It's about, it's about creating an alternative culture in terms not just of lifestyle but in terms of a series of events which are pivotal to the development of this country and this nation and the people in this nation because who wants to celebrate the Queen's birthday? Who wants to celebrate Melbourne Cup Day? Who wants to celebrate the AFL Grand Final? Who wants to celebrate Christmas and Easter and it goes on and on? You know, or Invasion Day. When you actually look at the series of public holidays which are around in this country, which create the culture, well, they're really nothing to, you know, write home to mum about. So... We've created a whole series of events over the last 25 years and we keep adding these events to this calendar to show people and demonstrate people in a practical reality that there is another Australia 
and that we should celebrate that other Australia because if we don't celebrate it, we don't hold it dear to us, it'll disappear. It'll disappear. Now, we've got a number of days coming up. We've got Peter Norman Day, which is on Friday the uh, 9th of October, which I'll speak extensively about uh, on this program. Now, on the 8th of November, we've got uh, the uh, gathering at Murchison Cemetery in regional Victoria for the anarchist who was murdered at Camp Lovedale in South Australia in 1942, Francesco Fantine. Then we've got Eureka Day on the 3rd of December, which is held in Ballarat, which people from all over Australia come to, which I'll make a few more comments about that uh, in today's program, because all these things take uh, organisation, they take time, and uh, people obviously have to uh, organise their own lives. Then in late December, I think it's the 15th or 16th, and we'll talk more about that in the next few weeks, we're actually going to celebrate the 99th anniversary of the defeat of the conscription referendum in 1916, which uh, changed the face of this nation in many ways, not just in terms of uh, stopping another 60,000 young Australian men being sacrificed on the European killing fields for the glory of God, king and country, but actually changed the character of this country and had a profound effect in the 20s and 30s and even during the Second World War. So we will celebrate that day today, uh, this in December, and I think it's the 16th of December, and we'll tell you more about that. And then on the 20th of January, we've got the Tunnel and Way Hina commemoration, uh, which will be held... Um, in Melbourne, the site, uh, Tanaminawaya and Morbohina were executed on the 20th of January 19, uh, 1842. So there's a lot of stuff happening. And again, it's not just for the sake of the stuff happening. It's for the sake of creating this culture of change. Because we've always worked under the assumption that you need to understand that you need to, you need to understand, you need to, uh, celebrate the past to understand the present and change the future. Because a people without a past is a people without a future. Now, the big thing I want to discuss today is Peter Norman Day, which we describe as Human Rights Day, although there is a Human Rights Day. This year, once again, we've been doing this for the last four to five years, uh, courtesy of uh, Trevor Grant, who's a... uh, you know, he's, a, he's an activist and is, uh, was a great sports reporter in the past who uh, drew our attention to this, uh, this fact, the, the facts surrounding Peter Norman about five or six years ago. I mean, there are other people who've uh, raised the issue of Peter Norman, but it's something that, uh, you know, seems to uh, continually be submerged. This year, as we've done the last four years, we will be holding a small gathering to mark Peter Norman Day. Peter Norman the 1968 Olympic, Mexico Olympic 200 metres silver medalist, supported his two American Olympic, supported his two American Olympic medalists when they gave the Black Power salute at the Mexico Olympics. The American Track and Field Association has designated the 9th of October, Peter Norman Day, to acknowledge his support for human rights. Now, did you hear what I just said? The American Track and Field Association has designated the 9th of October Peter Norman Day. Not us, but the American Track and Field Association. So join us, if you're in the city of Melbourne, join us at midday, Friday the 9th of October, at Human Rights Square, which we, which is f- formerly City Square, Melbourne City Square, uh, at the corner of Little Co- corner of a uh, Collins and 
corner of Little Collins Street and Swanson Street in Melbourne. So it's between Little Collins and Collins Street. You know, it's that little dejected piece of uh, gravel, which supposedly is a square which has been taken over by uh, private uh, uh, private businesses on a daily basis. So it's a day to honour a great Australian who has been written out of this country's history books. And there are many, many, many great Australians, too many to mention, who have made a significant contribution to this country, who have been written out of the history books because they don't suit the neoliberal agenda, which is all the rage in Australia in the 21st century. So who's Peter Norman? Isn't it about time the Australian Parliament on behalf of the Australian people, issued a posthumous apology to Peter George Norman, the Australian 1968 Mexico Olympics 200 metres silver medalist, who paid an extraordinary personal price for supporting universal human rights. Peter Norman was born in Coburg, Melbourne in 1942. He represented Australia in the 200 metres in the 1968 Mexico Olympics. He won silver in a time of 20.06 seconds, a time that has never been beaten by an Australian athlete. So that record has now stood for almost 50 years. The gold medalist, Tommy Smith, and the bronze medalist, John Carlos. Afro-Americans caught up in the civil rights movement asked Norman whether he believed in human rights and whether he believed in God. He answered yes to both questions. The Americans told him they would use the medal presentation to promote their cause. He told them, I'll stand by you. I'll stand with you. On the way to the medal ceremony, Norman asked the United States Royal Paul Hoffman if he could wear the badge he was wearing, a badge that supported the Olympic Project for Human Rights. Let's not forget 1968, America was ablaze with race riots. As both Afro-Americans and non-Afro-Americans were involved in the civil rights struggle to ensure that the gains which were supposedly made with the... Uh, defeat of the South in the Civil War almost 100 years previously were actually enacted in legislation. While Smith and Carlos gave the Black Power salute, Norman stood on the dais wearing the Olympic Project for Human Rights badge to publicly demonstrate his solidarity with their protest. Retribution by the Australian Olympic Committee was swift and brutal. Norman was reprimanded for his actions. The media in Australia in 1968 ostracised him when he came home. The Australian Olympic track team refused to send him to Munich in 1972 despite Norman posting Olympic qualifying times in both the 100 and 200 metres. The 1972 Olympics was the first time since 1896 that Australia had not been represented in the sprints. 
salt was rubbed into an open wound in 2000 when the Australian Olympic Committee did not invite him to participate in the celebrations surrounding the Sydney Olympics. He attended as a guest of the United States track and field team when they found out that he wasn't in Sydney, that he had no official capacity, that no official invitation had been extended to Peter Norman. They invited him as their personal guest. Peter Norman died of a heart attack, age 64, on the 3rd of October 2006, a disillusioned man. Both Tommy Smith and John Carlos attended his funeral in Melbourne, acting as pallbearers and delivering eulogies to a great Australian who had been ostracised and forgotten by a nation that continues to give lip service to human rights. The US Track and Field Federation, realising the personal cost Peter Norman bore throughout his life because of his brave, dignified and moral stand in a struggle for universal human rights, declared the 9th of October, the day of the funeral in 2006, as Peter Norman Day, a day that is celebrated in the United States and ignored in this country, lest we forget. So as we've done over the last few years, we will hold a small gathering at Human Rights Square in Melbourne, formerly City Square, at the corner of Collins and Swanson Street in Melbourne, to remember Peter Norman's contribution to the struggle for universal human rights. And we will do this until... His contribution is recognised, not just part by Parliament and the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC, but the rest of the people in this country. Considering all the sporting heroes we have in this land, you would think that somebody who did what Peter Norman did would be remembered. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Tosco. I'm hosting today's program. Now, isn't it fascinating? Isn't it fascinating how things seem to remain the same? Now, Mr Turnbull, our Prime Minister, the Prime Minister of the Land of Opportunity for some, is trying to give a human face to the neoliberal agenda, corporatisation, globalisation, privatisation, deregulation, a human face. But Mr Turnbull has a problem. He's a member of the Liberal Party, a party that has been captured in most of its branches across the country by neoliberals, those wonderful people who believe that economic prosperity for all comes from driving down wages, removing penalty rates, removing hard-won rights at work, introducing, you know, uh, bonded labour into this country. These are these wonderful people who now run the Liberal Party. Now, Mr Turnbull continually checks his back about every two minutes 
Because if the polls don't improve for Mr Turnbull in the next three to four months, don't forget that the neoliberal pin-up boy, the man who was willing to give up his last breath to ensure that some of the richest mining corporations and individuals on this in this country did not want to pay did not pay one extra cent in tax, that very man is out there destabilizing the Turnbull led government. It only takes six members of the Liberal Party to change their minds and hey presto Mr Murdoch's boy Taliban Tony Abbott will be back in the Prime Ministership and Murdoch is sitting on the wings currently. News Corporation is a little bit flustered. Not only don't they pay tax, their profits are seen, seem to be snowed diving. New technologies having its impact on uh, these people. But more importantly, Mr Murdoch is concerned about his hold on Parliament. And Turnbull isn't as malleable as Tony Abbott, who owned his ascendancy as Prime Minister of his country to the support that News Corporation gave him over a decade. So Murdoch has only ever been interested in one thing. Remember, this is a man who's a traitor. He gave up his Australian citizenship so he could extend his business empire to the United States, something he wouldn't need to do today because, you know, dual citizenship is uh, all the norm for the uh, our business leaders and corporate leaders. So Mr Turnbull has little room to manoeuvre. He's able to change the wrapping paper. It's a glossy, beautiful, gold wrapping paper. But unfortunately, the people who packaged, who who packaged, who put the uh, presents in the package for the Australian people, the same tired, old, neoliberal thugs. And that's what they are, thugs. People who are willing to use the state apparatus to impose their will on everybody else. So he's got a little bit of a wiggle room, but not much. On the other side of agenda, Mr Shorten, a man who's really been a little bit lacklustre in his projection of himself as a future Prime Minister, faces a few rumblings from the rank and file who now have a little bit of a say on who's the new who the Liberal Party, who the Labor Party opposition leader is. So one of these two men will not be in a leadership position at the next election. And uh, my bets is that uh, Malcolm will be knife dissected, eviscerated, beheaded by uh, Tony Abbott within the next four to five months. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3CR .org.au Now people keep asking me how's public interest before corporate interests bubbling along? Well it's bubbling along nicely. Nicely. Currently we have 213 members that is as of today and obviously the next few days that membership will increase and we'll soon get to a critical mass stage where uh, members will flow. Because Public Interest Before Corporate is an umbrella organisation which incorporates people of all religions and non-religions, of all races, of all nationalities, of all languages, of all ages, 
who have one thing in common. The fact that they want public interest, not believe, but want, W-A-N-T, public interest to be put before corporate interests. Over the last 40 years, we have had, and I keep saying it every week, and I need to repeat it every week, a revolution in this country. We've had a deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution. And every day, another bullet, another missile, another nuclear bomb is thrown into that little mixture. For example, the last few, last 24 hours, we've heard of the Trans-Pacific Trade Agreement. We know we've signed up. We know it needs to be ratified by Federal Parliament and the US uh, Congress and the Senate and also all the parliaments of all the other uh, Pacific Island uh, nations that are part of this pack, but we don't actually know what's in it. It's all secret at the minute. Mr Rob, our beloved trade minister, trade minister, said, trust me, trust me, boys and girls, I'm the man for this. But I know one thing about it. And it's designed, very simply, to put downward pressure on wages. It is designed to allow overseas labour to come into this country and dominate the marketplace. That's what it's designed for. Because in order to be competitive in an uncompetitive world... What our friends in the corporate sector need to do is drive down labour costs. You do it by holding an inquiry into the trade union movement, not into corporate corruption or corporate tax minimisation or corporate tax evasion. You don't hold the Royal Commission into that. You hold a Royal Commission into the trade union movement and obviously you're going to find a few rotten eggs. There's always rotten eggs in every organisation. Every organisation I belong to has always been one or two rotten eggs. We get the Humpty Dumpty treatment occasionally. So, this is the situation. This is what these free trade agreements are about. Because we are entering a difficult time socially, culturally and economically in this country. And we are going to see the rise of political and social movements which are based on race, which are based on religion, which see the main problem as being somebody's religion or somebody's race or somebody's nationality or the language somebody speaks or their cultural practices. And we are going to see a divided working class movement in this country, a very divided one. But the, the dilemma is, this is very simple. There's a small section of the population, about 10 to 15%, who are doing extraordinary well. They are doing extraordinary well from the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, revolution. They are making money hand over fist and they're not paying tax legally. I mean, we live in the land of milk and honey for some. Where else can you borrow money 
invest in the stock market. And if you make a loss, you can claim that as a tax deduction. Extraordinary, isn't it? You can do it in Australia. Where else that if you've got two or three homes, which you lease or rent out, you can actually claim a tax deduction. Extraordinary, isn't it? Legal, legitimate tax deduction. So no wonder the upper end of town doesn't pay tax. And we are having real issues because of revenue. What's the word revenue mean? The fact that taxes, the bulk of the taxation system is still heavily reliant on pay as you earn taxpayers. Over 67% of every dollar which is raised in tax in this country is not raised through corporations paying company taxes, is not raised through excises and other government charges, but is raised by pay as you earn taxpayers. And even when there's a new public holiday announced in Victoria, all we get is bleating from the small business sector about how unfair it is that they're going to have to pay overtime payments to people, when the reality is the biggest threat that small business faces in this country, and there are over 5 million people employed in the small business sector, about 40% of the working population. The biggest threat they ever face is not from the people who work for them who help them create a profit. The biggest threat they face is from unfair competition from transnational corporations, both locally owned and overseas owned, who use, one, their market share to dominate the marketplace, and two, who pay voluntary taxation in this country. So how can you expect small business to compete against large corporations who don't pay voluntary taxation? And I'm sick and tired of listening to so-called small business representatives crap on about how the major problem they face is overtime payments and the workers who work for them. That's their major problem. Maybe if they turned their attention to the unfair advantage the corporate sector has in how it dominates the marketplace, maybe then. And they formed an alliance with those people who are working to break down the monopolies that the corporate sector exercises, then maybe, just maybe, just maybe, their profits would improve, eh? But it's amazing how difficult it is sometimes to change people's minds. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to the website. Look at all these events that we're uh, organising. Look at what we're involved in. Go to anarchistmedia.org. Anarchistmedia.org. Now getting back to public interest before, corporate interest before I was uh, kind of uh, sidetracked. As I said, 213 members currently, growing rapidly. Don't just think about it. Think about joining. You can do a number of things. You can go to one of the uh, meetings. 
that are held by the various branches that have been set up, Pipsy Frankston in Melbourne. Uh, the next meeting will be Tuesday the 13th of October at 5pm at the uh, Frankston Library, 60 Plain Street, Frankston. Can't get there? You can always go to the uh, Pipsy Hastings branch meeting. They meet at uh, 28 Victoria Street in Hastings at 2pm every Tuesday. Members and non-members mem- mem- members non- welcome, obviously. And the Pipsy North Melbourne branch meets at the Jaka Jaka Community Centre at the corner of Plant and Union Street in Northcote. The next meeting is at 1.30pm on Sunday the 18th of October. But you can check all this out. Go to their website. Go to their website. Um, go to uh, ah, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You can email them at info at pibci dot net, info at pibci dot net. You can go to their Facebook page, just put public interest before corporate interest, and hey, bingo, it's there. You can look at their Twitter account, which I understand is a little bit anemic because it's only just been set up. Or you can uh, go onto your YouTube channel. Hopefully there'll be a few new videos put up in the next uh, three to four days. So Pipsy's there. It's growing. It needs your support. If you're interested in putting public interest before corporate interest, this is an organisation you should look at. This is not just about getting another registered political party on the agenda. This is about getting people together to actually get involved in direct action, whether it's community boycotts, whether it's uh, protests whether it's pickets, whether it's vigils. I mean, once the uh, party is registered, and it is a political party, not a social movement, political party, public interest before corporate interest, once it's registered, they'll be uh, getting more and more involved in that type of activity. You want their newsletter? Go to the website, pibsy.net. Can't access the website, don't know how to. You can always write to them at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052, or give me a call as I'm the National Convener on 0439 395 489. Always happy to send out application forms. And while we're talking about application forms, don't forget, Thursday the 3rd of December, 4am to 10pm, the uh, Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations, which are held in Ballarat. Go to the website, anarchismedia.org, download the poster, send it to your friends. Starts at 4am. Two things I'm interested in currently. One, if you want a seat and a table at the Eureka Annual Dinner, which is usually pretty well attended at uh, the Eureka Stockade Hotel, 152 Eureka Street, and the guest speaker is is Brett Edgerton, who's the Secretary of Unions Ballarat and and the Western Region of Victoria, and his topic is the role the 1854 Eureka Rebellion continues to play in the 21st century Australian trade union movement. If you want to be there, well, you need to book a seat. No cost involved. You just pay for what you eat and drink. But if you don't want to stand up all night, and we do get a, you know, get a pretty big crowd on the on the evening, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. for the Eureka Annual Dinner, you want a seat and a table, make a booking. You can ring me on 0439 395 489. Email your details to anarchistage at yahoo.com or write to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3852. And also, also, we're still, nominations are still open for the Eureka Australia Day medals. Six Eureka Australia Day medals are handed out um, each year to notable people in this country. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a citizen. If you've made a contribution to this country, uh, and the contribution is reflected in the in the ideas that are raised in the uh, Eureka Roof. 
We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. Well, you think somebody out there is worthy of Eureka Australia Day medal, you need to either write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, the name of the person, the reason why, it has to be a sentence or two, and how we can contact that particular person. If they do, uh, we'll get a Eureka Australia Day medal. And uh, it's very simple. We need uh, nominations in by about the 10th, the 11th of November. So send them in. Now's your chance to actually honour somebody who you believe has made a significant contribution to making this country a better place. Because, as we noticed with Peter Norman, these type of people are never remembered. Never remembered. Nobody ever remembers them. Nobody actually gives them any oxygen. They're not even full stops or an exclamation mark in a historical analysis. You never see them. You never remember them. But it's our job. It's our job to ensure that people like this are remembered because what they have done has made a significant contribution to improving the lives of men, women and children in this country who still find themselves working in the mines for tuppence a day if the uh, corporate sector had its way. Because remember Gina Reinhart, you know what her dream is? And that's what the free trade agreements are all about. Gina has a dream. She has a dream that we can have these special economic zones, which uh, North Korea's experts at, these special economic zones, let's call them Gina zones. And in these special economic zones, you can bring in all the foreign workers you like and you can pay them $2 a day or $2 an hour, whatever is, you know, you can get away with. And you don't have to worry about pesky unions and you don't have to worry about Australian laws and you don't have to worry about workers' compensation and you don't have to worry about workers' safety. That's the corporate dream where labour is where it should be, at the bottom of the heap. That's the corporate dream and that's what these free trade agreements are all about. It's about ensuring that Gina's dream comes true. Not only do they get all these resources which belong to the people of this country for a peppercorn rent, they now want to bring in indentured workers to keep escalating their profits, which they like to invest overseas. So that's the beauty of living in the land of Oz, the land of milk and honey, the land where nothing seems to change, where things go backwards. Now, a little history lesson. Now, look, I like to make things simple because, let's be realistic, most things are simple. They're not difficult. We're told that everything is complex. Well, things aren't complex. They're very simple. And there are people who exercise power who use the state apparatus, who usurp the power of parliament to ensure their interests are always put before the public interests and their interests are always put before the national interest. It's about them. 
It's about Murdoch. Resist Murdoch's minion campaign when we were there last Friday, which is a public holiday, which boys and boys, the security boys were a little bit surprised to see us there, a little bit behind the eight ball so we could actually move right in to the hallowed ground, Murdoch's hallowed ground. But I think I think the important thing is they get surprised when people don't swallow the propaganda. Hook, lying and sinker. They tell us that wealth is created through investment. Wealth isn't created through investment. Wealth is created through the blood, sweat and tears of people who make dreams a reality by using their brains and hands. You don't have to have investors who take off the you know cream off the profits in order to create a viable, sustainable society. It's interesting to note in the summit that Mr Turnbull called, and he needed to call a summit to get a little bit of authority because he wasn't going to get any, any, any support from his Liberal Party colleagues, that they all agreed that growth was the way out of the situation. Growth? Growth for growth's sake? And I thought, well, isn't that the essence of capitalism? Isn't that the essence of capitalism? To make his ever-increasing profits based on the concept of growth, irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs, isn't that the essence of capitalism? Ever-increasing profits for major shareholders. There's different ways you can organise the economy. There's different ways you can raise revenue to ensure that everybody shares in the common wealth. Now, just in case you hadn't noticed, we do live in the Commonwealth of Australia, unfortunately. Like most other things, the rhetoric reality gap is so great that uh, most people don't even understand what the Commonwealth of Australia is because the wealth obviously isn't held in common. Let's go to the revenue side and then we'll go to the growth side. Let's look at revenue. You know, as you know, as I keep telling you ad nauseum, and I'm sure you're sick of it, the majority of the tax revenue comes from pay-as-you-earn taxpayers, and uh, most corporations pay voluntary taxation in this country. Some like Mr Murdoch's News Corporation actually gets a tax refund while making billions of dollars of profits, which are, you know, kind of... um, sent offshore but that's another story he does it all legally Rupert does it all legally he doesn't need to break the law I mean, you've got two types you've got two types of people in the world those who need to break the law in order to make a buck and those who fashion the law so that so they don't actually need to break the laws which support them and Rupert's you know in the latter category obviously you know that and I know that and he knows that that's why he laughs all the way to the bank and all these idiots in this country who kind of think, wow, business acumen. But getting back to revenue, different ways. Everybody talks about we need to increase the GST. And the reason they want to increase the GST is very simple. They don't want to touch all these wonderful things that the business sector enjoys in this country. They don't want to touch negative gearing. They don't want to touch the uh, you know, stock market uh, uh, situation where you borrow money and offset your losses, you know, 
it just goes. They don't want to touch any of this. They don't want to touch the. They don't want to touch the real estate laws. They don't want to touch the voluntary taxation laws. And so, how do you resolve the issue? On the one hand, you've got people who are getting angry because they can't access basic services, whether it's public education, public health, public infrastructure. They're getting angry. So how do you placate them? How do you get the revenue? You increase the GST, flat increase the GST, 10 to 15%. Who does that impact on, mostly? Those on lower incomes. Those 33% of Australians who rely on Social Security benefits for, to survive and another 50% of Australians who are earning less than, say, about 120000 a year. I mean, they're the ones who have the greatest impact. And irrespective of so-called compensation packages, compensation packages disappear. So don't we, why don't we take a leaf at some of the Scandinavian countries where they have a differential GST? Yes, you heard it. Well, we have a, we have a bit of a differential GST. No GST on food, no GST on healthcare, no GST on books. But in some countries, they have 25 GST on luxury items. And if you look around the country, there are a lot of people with a lot of luxury items. So say if you buy a house worth more than $5 million, won't you have a GST on that? 25%? Bring in a fair bit of money, wouldn't it? Somebody buys a private jet, 25% GST. And if they buy it overseas... 25% import duty. Same with all these fancy little expensive cars. These, you know, anything over 150000 bang. And I'm not talking about, you know, 25% GST, bang, 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 bang. Because what a lot of these people do, you buy an expensive artwork, 25% GST. You want to bring them to the country, 25% duty. So there are laws that could be passed to uh, actually increase income. Another small revenue-raising matter, financial transaction tax. I've been talking on this program for over a decade about a 1% stock market turnover tax on any uh, stocks that you sell worth more than ten grand. Cut out the mum and dad investor. Get these big uh, companies... These hedge funds which buy hundreds of millions of dollars of shares, buy and sell, buy, sell, buy, sell, maybe in one day, 1%. Every time they buy, 1%. Every time they sell, stock market goes up, ka-ching. You heard that the stock market one day lost $58 billion. That's the Australian stock market. 1% stock market share, transaction tax, $500 million into the kitty. Bingo. How many hospitals can $500 million support? So there are ways. Financial transaction tax, you know. There are many ways that revenue can be increased. But it's not going to be increased. It's all going to be about across-the-board GST increase with compensation for low-wage earners or people on Social Security benefits, compensation that runs out after three to four months. That's what it's about. Because they have a revenue problem. They can't provide the services which are expected in a modern, civilised, so-called democratic country. So increase the GST. You can. Differential increase. Luxury items, 25%. Rest of the country, 10%. Food, zilch. Healthcare, zilch. Books, zilch. 
And the list goes on and on. It's possible. Anything is possible. You know, these people, these so-called investors, don't determine the type of society we have. We allow them to determine the type of society we have. We allow them to marginalise and ostracise so many people. We allow it on a daily basis. We allow it. And why do we allow it? Because we wait. We wait. A lot of diversions in a post-modern, surrealist society, aren't there? A lot of diversions. There's the idiot box, which is the sport. There's religion. There's investing. That's a diversion, isn't it? There's the internet. There's Facebook. So many diversions. As long as you can pay your bills or borrow enough money to pay your bills, the diversions are in place. But if you really want to see worthwhile change that will make life a bit more bearable and a little bit more interesting for your kids and their grandkids and their grandkids, isn't it time that we actually looked a little bit closer at what's happening in this country? Isn't it time we looked at it who exercise power, but more importantly, in whose interest do they exercise power? And it's always in their interest. Isn't it about time we looked at the last lack of commentary in this country? I mean, we're told we have a free and open media. You try to get these ideas on a free and open media and see what actually happens to you. Doesn't happen. That's why we rely on alternative forms of communication like community radio. That's why in 1972 when the Whitlam Little Labor government gave out licences to community groups to run radio stations, they did it for one reason, to break the power exercised by the Murdochs and the Packers of the world on information discussion in this country. And for the last decade, we have seen a rear guard action attempting to destroy and succeeding in most instances the independence of the ABC. Well, we've got organisations like the Institute of Public Affairs, the IPA, dominating serious political discussion on the government guild at ABC. And the opposition is some Labour Party hack. As if a whole movement of people who want to decentralise power and redistribute wealth, a whole movement of people in this country involved in multiple actions across this country have nothing to say and nothing to contribute. Instead of relying on the private sector to provide money to create jobs or relying on the public sector to create jobs, why not quarantine 1% of superannuation payments? And that's about, ooh, uh, was it about $10 billion? 1% of $2 trillion? What is it? Two, two billion? I don't know. Use it as seeding funding for cooperatives and collectives. Because cooperatives and collectives aren't based on this bullshit of growth for growth's sake in order to create profits, you know, creating products which are more harmful than good. 
cooperatives and collectives are about providing meaningful work and training to people. You never become rich being a member of a cooperative collective, but you do have security. You do have job security. You do have income security to some degree. But again, no debate, no discussion about an alternative economic system. And when we come to Parliament, same thing. It's all about the next parliamentary election. Who's going to be the leader? And we've got this crappy presidential-style election where it's all about the leader, whether the leader, you know, picks their nose, whether the leader uses, you know, toilet paper, whether the leader has a hairy chest, whether the leader wears budgie smugglers. Who cares? It's all about the so-called leader. It's not about policies. And if you do have some policies which impinge on the God-given right of corporate Australia to maximise their profits, irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs, well, you are public enemy number one. Public enemy number one. When I was a young person, public enemy number one was corporate Australia. Today, 40 to 50 years later, public enemy number one are all those horrible little people working in legal aid offices for a penance, assisting people navigate the legal system. All those disgusting bulk billing doctors, you know, who earn a wage, who provide free private care to patients. That's public enemy number one in corporate Australia. And who are the heroes and heroines? Whose words do we hang out for? Well, you know. Rupert is there, number one. Australia's greatest tax avoider. The man who gave up his Australian citizenship to pursue his business interests. Woe be me, public hero number one. Or all these, you know, ephemeral sporting stars who come and go, well, somebody like Peter Norman, who will be honouring on the 9th of October, somebody who made a real contribution as far as well as his sporting contribution, not only ignored, but history books rewritten to suit, you know, that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. It happens every day. And we allow it to happen. I allow it to happen. You allow it to happen. Every day we react. We've got to stop reacting. We've got to start building. There are issues every day. There'll be an issue every day. Sometimes there's two issues. And the beauty of the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC, it's not they tell you how to think. It's the fact that they set the agenda for the day, for the week, for the year, for the decade. They set that agenda. And that agenda, on most occasions, not all occasions, most occasions, seems to be the same agenda which is promoted by corporate Australia. Maximise profits, growth for growth's sake, 
irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. So the ball's in your court. You can sit at home and click, click, click. You can become a little click activist. You can feel really good and have a sore finger at the end of the day. You can go to bed and not wake up for 25 years. You could do the the Rip Van Winkle, you know, political game. Or you could become active. I know, it's a horrible thing, the A word, activism. You hate everything I've told you today? Good, I don't care. As long as you become active, that's what it's about. Get involved with other people. That's what it's about. Exercise what few rights you have. A people who don't exercise the rights they have lose those rights. Get involved. Lots of things to get involved in. Go on the net, listen to community radio, dissect, but more importantly, learn, become active. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Now, if by some chance you want to book a table or a seat for the Eureka, annual Eureka dinner, 0439 395 489. You know somebody who want, deserves the Eureka Australia Day medal? You've got to write to us, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, or email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Want to find out all the cultural and political activities we've got lined up over the next few months? Go to anarchistmedia.org. Want to join us in Peter Norman Day? Midday in Melbourne, Human Rights Square, formerly City Square. We renamed it after Occupy Melbourne. That's Friday the 9th of October, midday sharp. It only takes about half an hour. Come in. Honour a great Australian. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to the website anarchistmedia.org. You can listen to the podcast. And just in case you're interested, you can always join Pipsy. You don't have to be a radical to join Pipsy. You don't have to be an anarchist. You just have to be somebody who believes that public interests should be put before corporate interests. Go to the website, pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I.net. Go to the Facebook page, Public Interests Before Corporate Interests. Look at their YouTube channel. You'll find it up there. And uh, join the Twitter stream. Yes, all you twits out there, you can Twitter to your heart's content. It's in its infancy, but I'm hoping over the next week or two it'll take off. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week to the Anarchist World This Week. My name is Toscano. I've been hosting today's program. Send the program to your enemies. Send it to your friends. Listen in on your local community radio station next week. And thank you for all those lovely people of the Community Radio Network which allow this program to be broadcast across the country. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger!